everybody. Welcome back. I am super excited for you to be here. We're going to go deep on strategy as we often do here on the show. Um, uh, basically, the point of this podcast is to really go deep and, and help you get clear on strategy in 10 to 15 minutes on, a strong, on the strategy that's going to grow your thought leadership business. And, and more importantly, is going to grow a simple, profitable thought leadership business, not one that's messy, complicated, and drives you insane. So uh, I don't know about you, but I like my life. Uh, I like the fact that my my business is simple. I like the fact that it's profitable. Uh, I'm able to charge effectively premium rates, uh, and that allows me to have a really great team and rock star systems. And so uh, I don't put fires out all the time. Uh, you know, it's interesting when I get interviewed, especially by other agency owners, um, you know, I had someone that's supposed to do a, uh, a, like a pre-interview call and the founder of the agency wasn't able to make it to the call. And, and the excuse was, well, you know, she's putting out fires, like, you know how it is. And I'm like, sure. And I'm thinking, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how that is because I'm not putting out fires all the time because I have a simple profitable business run by great people with great systems, uh, and worked very hard to get it that way. And, uh, and and anyone that's in the thought leadership space, if you want to coach, if you want to consult, if you want to speak and write books, whatever it is that you want to do, you can have that same thing. Uh, but not if you do everything, right? Uh, if you follow a lot of the conventional advice that's out there right now, what will happen is you'll be on seven different social media platforms. You'll be spending three hours a day creating all different types of content. Then you'll be trying to service clients. You won't have enough people. Uh, you'll hire slowly. You'll build systems slowly. Like you'd be so focused on, uh, you know, staying visible on Instagram, but you don't have time to build systems in your business and, and just all the, the side effects that come from that. So the end result is you end up with this messy, complicated, unprofitable business that's just not really very fun to run. And it makes you want to pull your own hair out. And I don't want that for, for anyone because the bottom line is when you run that kind of a business, you end up self-sabotaging your own efforts to grow which means that you make less of an impact on the world. And that's bad for everyone, right? It's bad for me, it's bad for you, it's bad for the people that you want to reach. So when you have a messy, complicated business, that automatically means that the more it grows, the more work there is, and the more fires you have to put out, you you start to self-limit yourself, right? You, self, you self-sabotage yourself. And that limits the number of people that you can impact. You know, when you think about the people that... Um, uh, that make a huge impact on the world. I mean, look at Tony Robbins. He's a great example. I hadn't thought about this before, so I'm just kind of speaking off the top of my head here. But think about Tony Robbins. You know, he doesn't do everything. He's not on social media all the time. He doesn't have 17 different things that he offers. He mainly has built his business. Number one, he's built it around live events. Of course, he does some private coaching behind the scenes and things like that. And I'm sure he makes good money doing that. But the majority of his revenue comes from live events, which then drive product sales, right? And then coaching behind the scenes. So the tip of the spear for Tony Robbins is live events. If you see a Tony Robbins Facebook ad, guess what it's for? Live events. And he's built his entire business around his ability to create a live event that is life-changing. It's the ultimate personal transformation experience. And I would say he is the, you know, the category king of personal transformation experience. I don't know anybody that can create a live experience like Tony Robbins. So anyway, point being, he's really, out of all the universe of things that Tony Robbins could do, he's really zeroed, on, zeroed in on that one thing. Now, there's a lot of other things that come in, in, that's in that thing, uh, in, in its wake, so to speak, right? But what's the boat that pulls everything else along? Live events. And what that ends up getting you is that part of the business is simple. 
And because of that, you can hire great people and have great systems. And as a result, you can do more events and you can reach more people and yada, yada, yada. So what that means for Tony Robbins is that because he's put so much of his life into that live event strategy, he's incredible at it. World-class, the best in the world. If you try to do seven different things, if you try to be the world's best one-on-one -on -one coach, or let's say he tried to be the, best, the world's best hypnotherapist and the world's best author and all these other things. If he tried to be the best at every single one of those things, he'd be spreading himself too thin. What he does is he focuses on being the best at creating transformational events. And then everything else from that has come from that push. So he's really found that one thing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what do you do when you don't quite know what that is yet, right? Uh, I will call that, uh, I will call it freedom of movement, which we'll get into defining that in a second. But I just want to talk about for, for right now, just if you're in the stage where you know that you, have, that you have that drive, right? You know, I tell people all the time, like, how do, you, how do I define a thought leader? Well, it's someone that has the drive inside. They are driven to teach, train, and lead. That's as simple as I define it, right? I don't care if you call yourself a coach, a consultant, a trainer, an advisor. I don't care if you just write business books or maybe you just you consider yourself a professional speaker. I consider that all the same thing, right? You're leading with ideas, concepts, intellectual property. You're trying to change the way people think and act so that they get better results, right? New beliefs, new actions, new results. If that's you, if you have that drive, you are driven to teach, train, and lead, I consider you a thought leader. So just so that you know, that's what I consider that. So if you are building a thought leadership business, right, which is a business around thought leadership driven by people buying into your beliefs, taking action, and getting new results, well, then you have the choice of do you want a simple, profitable, rewarding thought leadership business that impacts a whole lot of people because you can scale it up? Or do you want a messy, complicated, unprofitable business that in the end you end up self-sabotaging because it just means more work and more fires that you have to put out? So anyway, that's, that's the choice that you kind of laid out. So, uh, and this goes back to the, the very introduction, literally the first line of the book <laughs> is it's easy to end up with a messy, complicated, unprofitable business. So I don't want that for anyone that's listening. So every choice that you have in your business will lead to one of those two stages, right? Either you're going to have a simple, profitable, rewarding business that's scalable, or you're going to have a messy, complicated, unprofitable business that you're not going to be able to scale and you're going to end up sabotaging, right? So the goal is to get to the point where you have a simple, profitable, rewarding business. And because of that, our mission early on should be to find our clear and compelling idea. We talked about that in a previous episode. Finding that clear and compelling idea. That is, should be mission number one if you are getting into the world of thought leadership. And if you don't know what that is yet, that should be your mission to find out what it is, right? Now, question is, how do you do it and what do you do in the meantime? That's what we're going to talk about today. So on the way to uncovering your clear and compelling idea, or while you're in the process of uncovering, refining, and sharpening it, what do you do? Well, in my opinion, you still get out there and talk. You still get out there and get featured on podcasts, still get out there and speak, take any speaking engagement you want, you know, start working on your book, start mind mapping ideas, start doing those things. Why? Because the clarity is in the doing, as one of my clients likes to say, clarity is in the doing. So one of the things that's easy uh, if you're a certain type of person, not everybody has this problem. Uh, some people just go out there and, you know, ready, fire, aim, and, and that's awesome. Uh, but there is a certain segment of thought leaders that, you know, you want to sit back and you want to find your thing by really just kind of going internal and, uh, and peeling away the layers of the onion by yourself. And I want to caution against doing that. 
Um, I was just reading uh, Ryan Holiday's book, uh, just going back into his book, Growth Hacking, Growth Hackers, Growth Hacking, something like that. Um, he was talking about the process for Tim Ferriss and how he wrote The 4-Hour Chef, which Ryan Holiday helped to launch. And he was just talking about how Tim Tim's process was to bring people into a focus group, that everything was tested, right? That every module of the book, um, you know, had to be signed off on by test readers before it was included. Um, they helped determine what stayed in. They helped determine what, you know, was left out. They helped determine the, the way the back cover looked, the subtitle, the title, everything. Everything was tested with real people throughout the entire process. And in the past, I haven't done that, right? I've had to get better at that over the years because I wanted to come out with this. I'm a, I'm a musician, so I kind of had that old school musician mentality where you go off into the woods for a year and in this studio in the woods and you write an album, you record everything, and then you come out to the public and you come out with a finished product and say, hey, here it is you know, love me. <laughs> and, and that just doesn't work like that anymore. Um, because if you really want people to feel a sense of ownership and, and belonging and feel a sense where they want to share something, you got to give them ownership in it. And it keeps you from getting that, you know, falling into that hermit genius trap where you think you're a genius and you, you go off and you create something alone and then you come out and, and the people go, mm, meh, you know, not, not, not really my cup of tea. And this happens all the time. I think it happens a lot to thought leaders. You know, we, we go and we craft our message and we, we write a book and we spend a year, year and a half writing a book and we get no input from the people that we think are our, our potential readers throughout that whole thing. We come out, you know, the book cover is completely done. The title is made. The tagline is done. The back cover is done. Uh, and we present this completed product to our audience and they go, eh, all right, yeah, that's cool. When it could have been, you know, refined and sharpened with input along the way. And so that goes, goes back to my point of clarity is in the doing, right? Still get out there. Like the challenge when, when, you're, when you're still finding your clear and compelling idea is, well, what do I talk about? Well, there's three things you can talk about, which is what you're learning, what you know, and what you're doing, right? So you can talk about what you already know. You can talk about your expertise. You can talk about the things that you're learning right now. And you can talk about the things that you're doing with clients right now, whether you're a coach, whether you're a consultant, whatever, Right. Talk about what you're doing right now with the people that are in your life and in your business. Talk about the lessons that you're learning. And here's what's going to happen. Something is going to resonate, right? You'll feel it. You will feel it when you say something and you're like, holy cow, I've never said it like that before. And you might be on a podcast and the podcast goes, goes whoa, wait, wait a minute, back that up. What'd you say again? Um, I had something funny happen years ago like this where I said something to the effect of, uh, attention doesn't translate into sales automatically. And uh, the host went back and he's like, wait a minute, wait, go, go back to that. Like that was a mic drop moment. What did you just say? Right, it's little things like that. You'll start to hear things that, that when you say them, other people resonate, right? You might find that in, com in conversation with other people in your space. You might find it in conversation with your clients. You might find it when you get interviewed on a podcast and people reach out to you and say, hey, I heard you say X, Y, Z on, on John's podcast. And I just loved it. And I wanted to reach out and connect with you. You know, there's a bunch of different ways that that feedback comes back to you. But if you're out in public talking about what you know, what you're learning and what you're doing, you will start to notice those things happen. You will start to notice that certain things that you say, just for some reason, they resonate. It's the choice of wording, it's the way that you said it, it's the way that you phrased it, it's the concept behind it, whatever it is, right? And that helps you refine and identify and sharpen into a clear and compelling idea, something that was before just kind of cloudy and unclear. That's the process, right? Don't wait until you have a crystal clear message before you get out and start talking publicly, right? Start working on the book, start speaking, start getting featured on podcasts, right? Because clarity is in the doing, right? Talking about it 
publicly, talking about what you know, talking about what you're learning, talking about what you're doing, that's when those breakthrough insights happen. They don't just happen sitting in an easy chair by yourself with a cigar and a snifter of brandy in your smoking jacket, thinking deeply and looking out the window, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of navel gazing uh, kind of in the thought leadership space where we go off by ourselves and we fall into that trap of being a hermit genius. Right. And, and I think sometimes the smarter you are, the easier it is to fall into that trap. You know, I think if you, if you don't think of yourself as being overly smart, uh, you probably tend to seek out feedback a little bit more easily, but the people that are really smart, you need your feedback, uh, the feedback of your audience just as much, if not more, right? Because you got to make sure that in spite of you being really, really smart, that you're delivering a message that's very, very clear, right? Because I find with a lot of thought leaders that they do have something compelling to say, they do have something that is polarizing. They do have something that's maybe controversial. It could be positively polarizing. Um, but a lot of times it's buried underneath a bunch of other stuff that makes it unclear, right? They're trying to speak to too many different types of people. They're maybe trying to, to sell too many different types of offers or packages. So they feel like they have to like hedge, you know, things and kind of dilute their message down a little bit so it doesn't alienate anybody or it doesn't turn away people from a certain offer that they have that some people have been buying. Like there's, a, there's a bunch of different reasons for it. But I think the biggest problem with thought leaders with uncovering a clear and compelling idea is that there is something compelling there. Oftentimes, it's just not razor sharp clear. And so we have to tease that out, right? And we have to start playing with how we phrase things until we find something people go, holy cow, back that up. What did you just say? And that's when we know we're onto something. So I say all the time that like, clarity is in the doing because it's such a great way of reinforcing the fact that, look, you cannot just sit down by yourself in a dark room and come up with your clear and compelling idea. It comes through interaction and feedback with real people that you want to work with, real prospects, real audiences. So one of the best ways to do that is to go out and get featured on podcasts. And of course, you can go to howtogetfeatured.com to get my free training on, on how to do that and how to get more podcast hosts to say yes to you and all that fun stuff. In that training, we actually go deep into like, how do you come up with your, your discovery story? Because that is something that pretty much every thought leader has that you can go out and pitch to podcast hosts and get featured and start talking about and get that ball rolling, right? Now, I, I mentioned the phrase freedom of movement earlier and I want to define that real quick. So uh, as many of you know, I am a business book fanatic. I, I read a ton, um, not because I have to, uh, because I just genuinely enjoy it. It's always been a pastime. Um, I was reading business books as a teenager when I had no intention of starting a business, which is hilarious. I have no idea why I did it other than just that's what I was drawn to. I like concepts and I like ideas. So I read a book, I think it was called Napoleon's Touch. And it was about Napoleon's approach to strategy. And, and if you talk to anyone that studies military history, Napoleon was the greatest manager of men and material that has ever existed on the face of the earth. He's the greatest general of all time. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, going deep into how he <laughs> looked at strategy is a pretty good bet. You're going to come out learning something. So what was really interesting about Napoleon is that he would study everything. He just, he got like every scrap of information, every scrap of intelligence, every map he could get his hands on, everything. And he would just, he would lock himself away and he would just vacuum up all of that information, right? He would put it all into his head. He'd be like, they'd sometimes come into his offices and find him asleep on the floor on maps of the battlefields. But what's interesting is that he didn't try to plan every detail of everything down to the letter. So a lot of times he would go into a campaign and he would know, hey, I think that the battle ultimately is going to be fought at 
this random small village over here next to this mountain. And his advisors would look at him and go, how can you possibly know that? He's like, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling that's where things are going to end up. He's like, I don't know how we're going to get there. But he's like, I think that like that point is where we're going to be able to win the battle. And then everything else was flexible, right? So he knew where he wanted to go. He knew how he wanted to win. He knew the elements that went into winning that he believed would turn the tide in his favor. But everything outside of that, he was flexible. And he, did, he designed his whole army around that approach to strategy, right? So the French army was famous for being more mobile and faster moving and more nimble and agile than other armies of that era. You know, if you go back and study the Mongols, you know, the 12th or 13th century, whatever that is with Genghis Khan, they had the same advantage. I don't know that Napoleon ever knew about the Mongols, but the Mongols had the same advantage. Their army was the most mobile, the fastest moving, the most agile, the most nimble. It's an amazing advantage to have on a battlefield. Well, it's also a pretty amazing advantage to have as a thought leader, right? The ability to go and say, look, I know what the goal is. And I'm going to press forward as fast as I can, but I don't know exactly how to get there, and that's okay. But I know strategically where I'm going. And what Napoleon called that was, was that there was a French word, I don't remember what the French word for it was, but the English translation of what Napoleon's approach to strategy was, was called freedom of movement. Freedom of movement, right? The idea that, look, everything doesn't have to be planned down to the letter. But I do know where I'm going, and I have a general idea of how I'm going to get there, and I am building everything so that I can adjust quickly, so that I can move fast, be agile, be nimble, and make adjustments along the way. And that would be my recommendation for any thought leader, especially anyone that's in the early stages of growing your thought leadership business, is don't sit back and wait until you have a crystal clear message before you start getting out there, before you move forward aggressively. Just, like, just start moving, <laughs> move forward aggressively, right? Move forward calmly and with confidence, right? With clarity, but understand that you're not going to feel clarity in every single part of your business and you don't need it to move forward with confidence and, and, uh, and calmly, right? You can move forward with confidence knowing kind of what your eventual goal is, knowing what mission that you're on and going, hey, I'm just going to build in freedom of movement along the way. Now, a really practical ex example of this is, uh, is the podcast I started years ago called Real Estate Uncensored. Now, Real Estate Uncensored conveys exactly what we wanted it to convey, which is we're talking about real estate and we, the hosts, are uncensored. So it's, a, it's both a behind-the-scenes look at the realities of being in real estate and the style is also uncensored. So it communicates a lot in just three words. However, it's also a pretty flexible brand. If we wanted to change the name of the show to something else, we could keep Uncensored in the title and change it to just about anything else. We could also just keep it Real Estate Uncensored and we can expand the show to talk about real estate investing. Uh, well, heck, we could talk about commercial real estate. We could talk about buying real estate. Like we could talk about virtually anything under that heading. Um, real Estate Uncensored happens to be a show about sales and marketing for real estate agents. But we could have also shifted the show to speak more to investors. We could shift it to talk about commercial real estate. Like there's a whole bunch of directions we could have taken that show. Why? Because the brand was flexible enough that it gave us freedom of movement. So we didn't know exactly when we first started that podcast how we were going to monetize it. And it's evolved a lot over the last five years. And uh, it hasn't always been the easiest podcast to monetize, despite the fact that it has a million and a half downloads and, and does really well. And, and we just hit like number three on some top 20 podcast list that somebody put out. And, and that's all fine and good. 
And, but I say that to say this, which is we didn't know any of that stuff going in. We happened to have attracted a mainstream audience in the real estate space, and that's all great. But we didn't know what the business behind it was going to be. So what we did is we created a brand that gave us freedom of movement. Now, I wouldn't have known to, talk to, to say it that way at the time. But what we did is we built a brand for ourselves that was flexible enough that just a little bit of a tweak to the subtitle of our podcast, and we could take the show in a completely different direction. So that's just a really practical example of how you can build freedom of movement into your marketing, into the very fabric of the way that you run your thought leadership business and how you market yourself. Every decision doesn't have to be made right this second today. You don't need clarity on every single thing in your thought leadership business. A vision of where you, where, where you want to end up and knowing what mission you're on right now at the moment is enough to move forward calmly with confidence and aggressively right? Just like Napoleon and his armies, get moving, right? We'll figure out later how we're going to get to that small town called Jenna, where, where the battle ultimately takes place, right? So that, I just want to encourage you with that today, that no matter where you are, but especially if you're in the early stages of your thought leadership business, you don't need to have everything figured out now. And the way to figure it out isn't going to be by withdrawing and, and becoming a hermit genius where you figure everything else out behind closed doors and then come out with a fully fleshed product that you present to an audience, like, like, a, like a band goes away and, re, and re record an album in the 70s, right? It just doesn't work that way anymore. People want to have a sense of ownership. They expect it. And the people that do it and get a lot of feedback from their audience uh, all along the process of creating something new are the ones that actually come out and have bigger launches. You'd think that it'd be the opposite because people already know what's coming, but it's the exact, it, it's insane how well this works. The more feedback you get during the process of building anything, a creative project or starting a business, the more ownership people feel and the more compelled they are to share it. And they still end up usually buying the product, right? So that's a really interesting phenomenon. You can see it with Tim Ferriss's book launches. You can see it with the podcast that we launched for our clients today. We try to get as much feedback from their audience as early as possible, from email, from social media, everything. And it's, it's flat out changed the way that we've branded them right off the bat which is really, really important so that we didn't come out with a show that falls flat with their audience, right? Their audience has already given their opinion and we're giving them something that we know that they're going to like, right? So that's how you build freedom of movement. You know where you're going, you know where, what the mission is right now, and you get into aggressive, calm, confident action and you figure stuff out along the way, right? Clarity is in the doing. The breakthrough insights come along the way. Right? As long as you know where you're going, which is a simple, profitable, rewarding business based around your thought leadership, and you know what your mission is right now. We talked about that on one of the previous shows where you're probably in the stage where your mission is to find your clear and compelling idea. So if you know those two things, you can figure out the rest of the stuff along the way. Now, if you get a book like Microfamous, it does lay out more of the roadmap for you. That does help. But at every stage, you're going to have a new mission and a new challenge. And right now, that challenge might be to uncover and refine and sharpen your clear and compelling idea. And that's a great mission to be on. And then once you find that, guess what? The mission changes. If it changes to, great, now let's find a thousand ways to drive that same message home over and over and over and over again to the market, right? So you don't have to know exactly every step along the way. You just need to know where you want to end up and what your mission is right now. Everything else, just build in freedom of movement and realize that clarity is in the doing. All right, that's all I've got for you today. 
Thank you so much. I've mentioned a couple of resources in this episode. Uh, go to howtogetfeatured.com for the masterclass on how to get out there, how to get podcast hosts to say yes to you, how to find a discovery story that you can share when you get interviewed. So even if you don't know exactly what your clear and compelling idea is, you know exactly how to go out there and start talking, start sharing what you're learning, knowing, and doing. Start sharing those three things so that the breakthrough insights start to come to you. That's howtogetfeatured.com. And then if you want the whole roadmap where it does lay out kind of the steps to building a simple, profitable, rewarding business off of your thought leadership and how how do you market? How do you attract the right people? How do you become famously influential? That's at getmicrofamous.com. You can go there and get a free copy of the book. So thanks everyone for listening. I appreciate it. If this is valuable, uh, I would appreciate if you share it. If you feel like there's someone that, uh, that is in the stage where they need to hear this message, uh, I think there's a lot of people in my space right now that would benefit from hearing it because these are the types of questions that I get all the time. These are the sticking points. These are the, the limiting beliefs that come up. And hopefully that was encouraging to you today. So thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next episode. 